0: You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want?
1: In your lifetime,
0: you're listening to On the Run with Remzo W. Martinez. I I knew a little bit about remote viewing before, um, but before today, but I started looking into it more in the past hour. and What I realized is that I had no clue what it was,
1: <laughs> and uh, I'm not gonna lie to you, man. The first time I did it. I was like, okay, am I actually seeing legit stuff or, you know, is this just my imagination playing with me? And then the investigator said it had actually been to the location that I just, I mean, I spilled everything. They're both standing there looking at me with their jaws hanging up and going, how the hell did you do all of that? I said, I don't know. It's just what came to me. I mean, I told them what spirits were, where, uh, Describe the location to a T, and we're talking a three-level, four-on-four, uh, four old plantation home, pre-Civil War. When um, I described the spirits that were there, and they'd already investigated the location, so they knew who they interacted with in what areas. And then I turned around and tell them all of it. And they're like, How the hell did you do that? I, I don't know. It's just something that I've been able to do for a while and never really had good validation on it. But that one was spot on.
0: Let, let's go ahead and rewind for a moment. Um, you, you've been investigating the paranormal for a long time, probably as as long as I've been alive, if if we're talking about that.
1: Damn, we're, talking, that we're
0: talking a while. Well, you know, with, with age comes experience when it comes to these things. But uh, you you've been doing this for for a long time you're you've been baptized in how many different religions five five well not not
1: baptized i've been blessed baptized puts it into the catholic religion right so you've been blessed blessed in five different and three different beliefs pagan um, pagan wiccan and voodoo i've been blessed by high priestesses and those three beliefs
0: when did all this start for you
1: the paranormal period or yeah. So
0: this is not a life. A lot of people just happen to go down.
1: No, it's not a common path. Um, so we're going to go all the way back to when I was seven years old. Uh, my brother was four years older than me and he slept on bottom bunk. I slept top bunk. I remember sometime in the middle of the night waking up and seeing my grandfather looking me eye to eye. Now my granddaddy was six foot two. Um, ex marine, bit of a badass. You didn't forget him once you saw him. But <clears throat> there stands my granddaddy looking at me eye to eye, telling me, Um, goodbye. I love you, and I'll see you later. Oh, okay. I, and they lived a couple hours away, like two and a half hours away. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I, I didn't even know you and grandmother came up, but I'll, I'll see you in the morning. Good night. Love you. And that was the end of the interaction. well a little while later, Mom came in and turned on the bedroom light, yells at my brother and I to get up. We have to get dressed and leave. Says, well it, where where are we going? You just need to get your ass up. We have to leave. So is this because granddaddy left i I didn't even know they came up. When did they come here? Welcome to my world <laughs> I see you looking all around. It happened I just had.
0: I, I just had something so wild happen that my wife just just walked over. We just heard like. I don't, I don't know what what happened. Can you look at the blinds? Yeah, I don't know. That is fucking weird. You know, I had. Um, do you know who Will Stillman is by a chance? Not offhand. W- William Stillman is is a psychic who I spoke with about, uh, demons about five years ago. And when I had him on, we started just barely discussing the topic and all the electricity in my house went down and it, it took us about 30 minutes to get back up. And, uh, you know, I, I was joking. I'm like, Oh, they didn't want us to have this conversation. And he, you know, he, he was, he laughed a little bit, but he was like, well, how do you know they did so each time I start getting into anything in this, what what was it? She's going to go outside and see what it is. Whenever I get into any deep conversation about this, I swear to God, weird shit
1: happens. Tell her to take a look at the streetlights.
0: Take, take a look at the streetlights when you walk out.
1: You should notice something odd. I'm not sure. It's going to be one streetlight. Um, I want to say as you walk out the front door, this one's off to your right. Um, it's either out or it's dimmed. Okay. It's just what, it's just what
0: I hear. She's going to have to walk out. So she'll be back in a minute. Um, this is, uh, this is an area where when, when, when we start talking about experiences, such as the ones that I've documented on the series I did with my brother, the witching hour, um, you know, it's, it's always personal in some way for, for me. Um, it was, and I don't, I don't get into it too often, but it was interactions with my great-grandmother who was around until I was about seven. Um, I, I saw her a couple times after she had passed away. And I had always a, 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 lingle, a, a lingering curiosity about the paranormal life after death. But it wasn't until I started investigating, actually trying to seek answers to a lot of these things, that a lot of things that I would have never considered. I brought up a psychic a moment ago. I don't know how I feel about psychics still. Uh, I don't know how I feel about reincarnation. I have met four different women who have all claimed to be uh, Queen Victoria. Um, So, I mean, when when you encounter stuff like that, you just don't know. But there are a lot of instances where, I I mean, the realm of human consciousness is not something that I think is as limited as many of us think. So I, I wanted to talk a little bit about remote viewing, which is what we kind of started with and what you hinted with earlier. Let's kind of get get the understanding on that. What is it? How did you get into it specifically? And what, what are the barriers to the average person?
1: So I guess if we get to the bare bones of what is remote viewing, remote viewing is being able to see locations that you've never been to. Um, The U.S. Army, actually CIA, for a long time had Project Stargate. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Ed Dames headed up Project Stargate, and it was also known as the Psychic Spies. Um, They would give them a target location simply by giving them latitude and longitude and go, what do you see here? And just let them do their thing. Now, it received hundreds of thousands of dollars in what they call black market funding from the government because you can't put out there to the general populace that we're paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to have psychics look at the enemy. They would, The general public would just lose their ever-loving minds. But in the mid-80s, Project Stargate closed. It was no more. Now, is that – I mean, there's still speculation that it's still an ongoing project. But some of the things that were revealed during some of Project Stargate's um, searches was the – I'm sorry, was, one second. Go Wait, were the streetlights on?
0: That was a loud car. I'm going to have to walk out a little bit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dennis. Go ahead.
1: You're good. You're good. But one of the things that they discovered, one of the uh, RVers, remote viewers, said that I see what looks like giant missiles, but they're flat and they're moving through the terrain. That's actually how we discovered that the Russians had portable missile launchers. And they were moving Nike-Hercules missiles from A to B. We didn't even know that capability had existed to that point, but a remote viewer said that's what they saw. So then they trained satellites towards that area, and sure enough, they were watching missiles moving through the countryside. So remote viewing does have its place, and it's the ability to take yourself mentally and energy-wise, out of where you are and go somewhere else. Um, for me, I don't do a, a ton of the huge locations, like I'll do, uh, you know, if if a team mentions we have an investigation coming up, I'll just open up for a moment and go, all right, what do you want to give me? And then I'll start giving back whatever I am given. So there's a belief that once you pass, you have access to the Akosic records. You're familiar with them? Uh, no. Okay, so the no. Akosic records are believed to be the records or the notes or the information of all places, all times, all things. It is the world information, and it's supposedly available to the dead. I think during a remote view, you're actually tapping into a portion of that because you're tapping into an energy that is not of your own. Now, um, during a medium viewing, there are portions of the brain that fire under EKG that aren't typically there, that aren't typically active. But when they do a mediumship connection, those portions of the brain show active. The same thing with remote viewing. There's portions of the brain that are dormant that all of a sudden, when they start going into a remote view session, those portions of the brain become active. It's not that I'm special. It's not that, you know, I have a gift or, you know, I'm the chosen. It's just a matter of, for some reason, mine has activated and I figured out how to kind of harness that energy. Um, I've done, you know, dozens of remote views where. I'm spot on, but you have to look at, am I spot on from today's view of that location or the view of the location of spirit that has actually connected to give me kind of a tour? Um, I did prime example. I did one where it was kind of like I had a tour guide. There was spirit that I interacted with that walked me through the property. And then he, like walking through this hallway, he just turned and went left And I'm standing there looking at a wall going, the fuck just happened? Well, when they remodeled that house back in the 50s, and this was a late 1700s, early 1800s home, there was a large cased opening there, and they walled that off to separate the rooms. But spirit that I was interacting with, that was still an opening to him. So when I did my view, I looked at it and saw a wall. So,
0: so you're seeing time almost in a non-linear way.
1: Right. It depends on how I'm connecting to that location. Uh, prime example, I did a, a connection to a place called um, Nemus Plantation. When I interacted there, I had, I guess you would call him the house servant. He was His name was Washington um but i followed him through and he introduced me to different spirits here and there throughout the house and then walked me like as you're looking at the house he walked me down the steps on the right front corner like the storm cellar doors and when i described that they they're telling me well that's not there and i went that's what he's showing me and that's how i walked down and as soon as i walked down it's a long hallway that goes all the way to the other side of the house well, that's not there. In that corner of the basement, there's like a hot water tank and things like that. they I went, you need to find old photographs. And sure as shit, they found an old photograph from like the 1862 or something, Civil War era. And there was the storm cellar doors there. Well, when I went to the location, you can see that this is all brand new brick and block work. And they've added that utility section. There's a brand new power uh, meter on that wall, there's new fuse or breaker panel there. So I knew that had been reworked and they got rid of that stairway so they could do that and put the the I think they had like an 80 gallon hot water tank. It was huge. but they did that change and got rid of a useless staircase or stairway going out to do that. But I was able to see it because that's what Washington saw. So when he walked me through, he introduced me to a little girl up on the third floor. He introduced me to an older man on the second floor. And I was able to tell them, these are the people that he's introducing me to. And they're like, you know, we did an investigation here before. And we got a little girl's voice up on the third floor. And we got this older man on the second floor. So it's just amazing that you can do this. So if I do it through a connection like that, I see it totally different than if I do a remote view solo. If it's just, for lack of better terms, if it's just the universe telling me this is what's there, then I see it modern day. Um, Prime example, if you go on my Facebook, you'll find a, I don't know if it's like notes or whatever, but I had a young lady named Lori up in Northern Virginia. I was on the phone with her and I said, I stopped us in the middle of the conversation. I said, do me a favor. You need to go outside. For some reason, out the back door to the left, I see this bright light. And there's a, there's a red shirt. There's trouble. But you need, to, you need to grab your damn sidearm and do it now. And she's like, well, what the hell's going on? I said, I don't know. But I'm being told this is what you need to do. Well, her wife was out walking their dog. The dog keyed off towards that area and was all kinds of pissed off. There's a helicopter up in the air doing a search with a spotlight going that just happened to sweep their yard. And then some dude come walking up asking if he could use their restroom. As Lori's going out the door, this man is approaching. Now, because I told her, grab your firearm and go out the door, she did. It turns out they were a foot pursuit trying to find this murder suspect. And he just happened to stroll up. Well, when all is said and done, she's, we're sitting back on the phone conversation. She goes, you know, he was wearing a black shirt, though. And you said to look for a red shirt. And then she turned to say something to her wife and goes, oh, shit, she's wearing a red shirt. So that was that was what you were warning me about. I saw the red shirt. I didn't tell who it was from. I just saw a red shirt, and there was a shitload of activity. So that was a situation where the universe itself fed me the information versus Bell Nemus, where I met with one of the spirits there.
0: When, when you're in this moment in which you're able to send your consciousness to a place that you've never been, how does it appear to you? Are, are you just like a floating mind? Can you see like your hand if you put it in front of you? I mean, wh- what, does that, what does that feel like in a physical sense?
1: From a physical aspect, there's not much to a physical aspect of it. Um, I can from time to time, and it depends on how good the connection is to that location. I can reach up and tell you what the wall feels like. Um, and I can visibly see my hand as I touch the wall. Um, it's kind of like watching yourself on TV and you've been on the front side of a camera a hundred times. And you remember as you were walking down, you reached up, you touched that wall. It's kind of like watching that camera view. I can see, I don't know what you call it in like first person shooters where the camera hovers right behind you at all times, but that's kind of what I see most of the time.
0: Yeah. So when you like see the character. Yeah. Yeah. Third person.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And from time to time I'll pick up definitive smells. Um, you're familiar with twisted paranormal society. Yeah. Okay. I did a remote view for them on a place called, uh, Mount Eagle farms. And I interacted with the gentleman on, well, second floor, if you don't count the basement, third floor, if you count the basement, um, very obnoxious very rude very vulgar as soon as i felt myself or saw myself i just say it as soon as i walked in the room he charged at me from straight across the room at the fireplace yelling at me get out get the fuck out and i could just smell alcohol liquor i could tell he was a drunk um just an overpowering smell of liquor so when I'm telling Lyle and Tana what I encounter, they're like, "Man, we we got we got to have you out there. You got to come with us." That's all right. I'd be happy to. I'd I'd love to see what I just encountered because it was cool as hell to me. So I go out there, and what I didn't know was the owner of it is fourth generation. It's a had been a six hundred plus acre plantation home. Um, she's fourth generation now to own it. When I met her. She said, so they tell me that you encountered a man upstairs that was kind of rude. I said, yeah, he kept saying he was doc, but there's no way that was a doctor because, I mean, he just reeked of alcohol. He was a damn drunk. And she's like, if I show you a picture, can you tell me if that's the same individual? And I said, well, you have the picture. Look at it and see if the description that I gave is the same individual. And she goes, Stay right here. So she runs off to her car and comes back. And she holds up this photograph and goes, Is this the guy? And I kind of laughed and I went, Yeah, that's the not doc drunk. And she goes, That's my great-grandfather. Oh shit, I am so sorry. I hope I did not offend you. And she goes, Oh no, 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 no. He was a drunk. Uh, He was belligerent. He was a very mean man. He would... He was such a drunk. If he ran out of liquor in the house, he would drink aftershave. I went, oh, that explains a lot. That's a little extreme. Yeah. Yeah. But I was able to describe him to a T, his personality. But the the most astounding part to me was I smelled the liquor from sitting at my, you know, in. I mean, when I did that one, I'm sitting at a Paracon in i think it counts as virginia beach the boxwood inn and i'm standing outside talking to lyle and tana when i did that remote view so it all depends on how strong that connection is that that location or the universe i guess i I don't know it all depends how strong it wants to give me the information as to what i get whether i can have tactile sensation or not um definitely the the senses come alive like i'll do remote views often and i can tell you what parts of the house you'll hear running or banging or knocking most common for Um, so things like that are kind of normal for me at this point this is something you can kind of just like
0: switch on and off or does it require like a preparation time? Is there a process or
1: ritual that you have to do? I kind of have to have myself relaxed, like at ease. I can't be, um, all kinds of nervous and excited. There can't be a shitload of commotion going on around me that I get, you know, focused on the more relaxed I can be and the more laid back I am, the better I can actually do it. So, you know, in just a hey, how you doing hanging out scenario, usually I can conduct fairly well. Um, in a rare instance in the middle of a paracon, somebody will mention a location to me and all of a sudden all these bells and whistles go off and I start seeing all the pictures and it's kind of like watching an old movie sometimes is what I see. Um it's very peculiar there is not any one set you know it happens like this every time there is no one set way it varies from time to time
0: what well, was this an experience or an ability that you had prior to even knowing what remote viewing was or was this something that you had to tap into when you first heard about it and discovered it, it was a possibility
1: oh, no. no i had to re- research what the hell did i just do <laughs> because i mean it to me it kind of kind of blindsided me the first time i did an rv so i'm like okay and then some people refer to it as astral as astral, astral projection. projection
0: yeah okay. so i was going to ask if that was different or if it was the same
1: i i think now i i don't positively know i think they are kind of hand in hand I mean, in astral projection, you project your energy somewhere else. In remote viewing, you're kind of doing the same thing. You're seeing somewhere, somewhere else. Um, and you're actually there, or at least I am when I do mine. So I don't know if those words are actually interchangeable or, because I've never really researched you know, the definition of astral projection. Are, are you,
0: when, when this is occurring, when you're doing a remote viewing for somebody, like, are you still cognizant of your own body? Like, oh, yeah. Do you, or do you still have all the sensations of where you currently are, like if the, if the air oh, yeah. conditioning is on or if it's hot or something?
1: Yeah, I, I'm still fully aware of my exact current surroundings and everything. You know, if I'm doing a remote view in a car, backfires, I'm still going to turn to look to see what that, what that noise was. Um, so it's not it's kind of like having
0: wait did you say did did you say a car backfires
1: yeah
0: okay did you hear what my wife said 15 minutes ago no i couldn't hear okay i shit you not so she went outside and she spoke to another neighbor and because they they heard it like the entire apartment heard it Mm -hmm. so my wife comes back in looks back out that's when i asked her or, or any of the street lights out did you see anything and she said no i didn't notice anything but one of the neighbors said sounded like a car
1: backfired oh huh. well, there you go odd occurrence just yeah just a oddity there but you know if you're watching a movie and your wife leans in and goes hey look at this see this video well all of a sudden you can see that but you're still able to see that yeah and that's kind of how it works for me. I still see my presence here, but I can see what's there, too. Um, you know, when, when Project Stargate was at its height, there were 70 uh, remote viewers on payroll for the CIA. And, you know, it was tens of millions of dollars being funneled into this program. So even the CIA understood that remote viewing was a legitimate thing. Is this something that, like, I
0: I know that the police will go ahead and hire uh, mediums and psychics in very rare circumstances, but it is a thing. And a lot of, uh, a lot of police agents, I'm sorry, a lot of police departments don't solicit it now. They don't often talk about it, but I mean, I've met, I've met many people with certain abilities that are, you know, they're contractors or they're consultants for local police departments. Right. Is this something that you think is reliable still? Is this something that you think if somebody can prove that they have a knack for this, that this is something that you know can, can still be used, like in the situation that you mentioned where that, that woman potentially saved the life of her and her wife from that guy?
1: I think if you have somebody that is strong enough in remote viewing, and practice is often enough. It's like any other mental capacity. You know, you might be phenomenal at math, but if you don't do much practice with it, that skill set tends to drop. And I think remote viewing is the same way. But I think if you've got somebody that stays on their game, that stays focused on it, that practices it, they would be a, a huge asset to law enforcement, especially like missing persons cold cases. Um, You know, I've I've had a couple where I can kind of describe the area that I see a missing person, but it's very difficult. And I even gave a a road name on one instance. Uh, There was a young lady outside Chicago that was murdered. A brutal murder, by the way. Um, But I could describe the road. I actually... It was a friend of mine that was going out there to investigate this urban legend, Help Road. You know, that um, no matter how many times they pave it, um, help always comes through on the, on the roadway surface. And it, was, it goes all the way back to, you know, the 50s or whenever. You know, little Johnny and his date crashed the car and he crawled up on the road and in his own blood scrawled Help. So they were going out just to investigate this urban legend. And they were hearing so much on EVPs where they stopped their car that it started him on an all-new path of investigating. Let's find out why this female that is all over our recordings is here. Well, he contacted me, and he's like, hey, man, so we went out and checked out this urban legend. And I stopped him right there, and I said, please tell me you did not go to an investigation in a plum crazy purple dodge um, not the neon but what's the bubble car um
0: oh, i know what you're talking about it's like I, up to I, my tongue
1: yeah it's like the same thing uh, yeah uh, same thing as a neon and it goes well n- no but uh, how the uh, How pt cruiser i'm like please tell That's- me you did not go out in a in a plum crazy purple dodge neon it goes well well no it was a PT cruiser, but how the hell do you know that? And I described where they parked. I described where they sat. I described their entire visit and the area around there. Gave him the name of this young lady that had been murdered. Um, but he was so invested in that investigation that he had gone and bought um, police reports. He bought her uh, autopsy report. Um Just He had like 60-some pages in a folder that he had collected from this murder on this young lady. And I told him everything that had occurred, where it occurred. And he's like, "I, I don't know how the hell you did that. But it was a matter of, that one was, for some reason, I kept smelling and hearing the word cherry. So I said, there's something about the road is... It's cherry something or something cherry. He's like, it's just straight up cherry road. And I went, okay, well, that explains that shit. But for the most part, if, if a body's dumped in a wooded area, then I have to be able to draw myself back from that location to expand my area to find something to use as a marker. You know, I can't say it's out on, you know, Jones Road if I'm just in the middle of the friggin' woods. So now I have to start trying to figure out how to back myself up and see what's around there. You know, I could I've done um like missing persons where I have found the body. I just didn't know where the fuck I was. I'm in the middle of the woods. There's a pond here that's not very um specific. <laughs> You you can
0: name stuff, but unless you can provide exact instructions, it's not very helpful.
1: Right. You know, I I, I can see that I'm in a wooded area beside a pond, but I don't know where that pond is. I don't know what road it's off of. I don't know how to get to that. Um, And then usually I will find out or hear at a later date that, you know, uh, Jane Doe's body was found In a farm pond off of, you know, whatever road. And I'm like, yeah, that's. And then if I see footage of it, uh, it's overwhelming because, you know, you were there and you could have. You could have found her much sooner, but you didn't know where there was. So it is frustrating.
0: Are you limited in how far you can travel?
1: No. Um, if, if project Stargate stands true, um, we've had people that have even remote viewed Mars. So I don't think there's a limitation. How limited is your mind? That's the question. And I think that is the question on where you're limited with remote viewing. What is the limitations of your mind? Um, If I give you a set of latitude and longitude numbers, and I tell you, I just want you to take a deep breath. And I actually did this at a couple of presentations that uh, I was asked to do. One at Ferry Plantation, which I'm sure you're aware of. Um, I presented just latitude and longitude lines. And I said, now I want you to just focus on these numbers. They could be a house, it could be a barn, it could be a field, it could be a hospital. It could be any one of a billion different things. Just focus on the numbers. And whatever you see, there's a piece of notepaper in front of you, write it down. Whatever you hear, whatever you smell, write it down. I smell an obnoxious um, gas, write it down. Um, I had one young man that he is in the autistic spectrum. And I actually use the latitude and longitude for the cabin on 360. And they have no clue where I'm pointing them at. I'm just pointing them with these numbers and go, just focus on them. Tell me what you see. And that young man actually hit like, I think, three or four different points that were dead on. I mean, his first thing was, I see a cabin. Like, Holy shit. Holy shit. Okay. Tell me more about the cabin. Well, it's in the woods. Okay. Where are the woods? I don't know. They're beside a big highway. And I mean, he he went with three or four different things that were dead on for the cabin on 360. Um, Another presentation I did, I used um, Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum as the target. And I had a couple that were in the crowd in the audience that hit a few points on trans allegheny so i don't think it's something that is limited to any one class of people i guess or you know i don't think i'm special other than the fact that i've taken time to work on it but i think if we all just open up and accept what we hear what we see and and what we sense. I think we can all touch into it. We just need to work on it better.
0: Do you think you can transcend certain dimensions? Like outside of our current realm of existence? Is that even
1: a possibility? I don't know. You know, if we look at it as, you know, like with life and death, there's that thin veil that separates us from the dead. I don't know if you can cross those veils or not. I've never tried. Um, you know, I certainly haven't tried to remote view heaven. And I think and I, I say that with with air quotes because I don't know that heaven is the same for everybody.
0: You um, have to have a concept of what it is in terms of what it's like based in reality, because like you and I both know that the Great Wall of China exists, but as far as I know, have have you ever been to China?
1: No, I've never Ni- visibly seen it.
0: Yeah, neither have I, but we both know it exists. Like that's an undeniable fact that despite the fact that we have never been there and we have never seen it with our own eyes, we do know that the
1: Great Wall exists. Yeah, there's there's hundreds of thousands of photographs and videos and movies and documentaries and everything else. We know it exists. That's a that's an undeniable given. But I have yet to see any photographs of heaven. That makes sense. Um, but i will tell you this and i'm going to name drop um seven years ago i think i was invited to come out to chicago and speak at chicago ghost gone and i sat into chris fleming's uh presentation and chris fleming talked about his near-death experience he was dead on the table um he said, you know, I'm up in the corner of the room looking at them working on my body, and I can hear every nurse, every doctor. I can hear everything they're saying. And I don't remember who he said. I want to say Bridget Bardot was one of his favorite actresses from like the 40s. He goes, I don't know why the hell she was there, but she just all of a sudden was right beside me. And she goes, Chris, come with me. He goes, and we we floated back down to the floor and walked out the door. Now, you would think I'm in an ER We would walk out that door and we'd be in the hospital. He goes, no, that's not where we were. He goes, we were in the most beautiful pasture I've ever seen. The grass had the most beautiful green. The flowers were the most vivid, vibrant flowers I'd ever seen. I could feel the air as it caressed the grass as it went by. I felt what the flower felt when the bumblebee landed on it. He goes, I was everything. I I could feel, sense, smell Everything. Because I remember turning and looking at, and I'll just keep using Bridget Bardot here, because I remember turning and looking at Bridget and going, is this heaven? Have I died? And she said, well, this is my heaven. Chris, yours might be a thousand times more beautiful, but you're not ready to see it yet. You're not ready to come to this side. You have to go back. He goes, the next thing I remember was the most excruciating pain I've ever felt in my life when they hit me with the paddles and started my heart back up. He goes, but I'll always remember that because it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. And here's where that starts me on this. If that was his heaven, well, if that was her heaven, And that implies that we all have a different heaven. We all have a different view of heaven. Um, You know, in the in the Hindu religion, do you know how many gods there are? Oh, there
0: are thousands,
1: millions. There's nine. There's nine million. There's roughly nine million because there's nine million Hindus, and all of them have a different view of God. It's all Vishnu. That's God but they all have a different vision of what God looks like. So there are nine million gods. None of them are wrong because they still have Vishnu as God. But there's nine million gods because each of us look at their God a little different. And I think heaven is going to be the same way. The trouble is, and I've asked this for years doing investigations, What's it like on that side? And I never get an answer. What if they told us, just like Chris described, it's the most beautiful thing I had ever seen. How many people would give up on this side, exercise their God-given free will to go to that side? There's. um, Have you ever done any study
0: of the Zohar and and the Kabbalah? I started looking into the into the Kabbal- into Kabbalism and the Zohar in 2020. It's uh, some people call it Jewish mysticism. it's it's somewhere between that and and a few other things, but it's like you know and it, it, it's it's identified as something among certain sects of Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. And what each one determines the Zohar is is it's almost like uh-huh. a key of deciphering knowledge. Not secret knowledge, but how can you see between the lines of life itself? And as as I looked at that, there's something in in the Zohar, but I think in, in Judaism it's also described well. Um, it, it's something that oftentimes runs counter to my personal Christian beliefs because in the Bible, I mean, I always think it's funny when when I tell people this, but like the Bible talks more about how to handle money than it describes what heaven is like. And things like that. I think it's done very intentionally. But in, in Judaism, I, I saw a rabbi once explain it. He's like, you know, when you die and you're going to go, you know, face to face with with God, it, it's almost like you're going to meet the best chef who has ever lived. And you've been invited to his dinner. And you know that it's going to be the best meal ever. And it's going to be the best dessert ever. And then you, the person who's invited, you're like, well, what food is going to be there? Well, will it be good? Well, will I like it? Is it something I've tried before? Is it something I've, I've never tried before? Is it even something I'll like? And, and you get there and the chef is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't you trust that I have prepared something perfect for you? I think sometimes, even when we start talking about these supernatural occurrences, it's like what you said earlier, you've never, you've never been able to see heaven and things like that. I, I still, you know, like this, this fills me with some degree of optimism because I believe, I believe a lot of these things that you and I have both experienced are real in this, in this pursuit that we've gone on in our lives. And it's, you know, we, we don't have to know, but what we know is that there's something there. And in the case of heaven, I can't describe it. I don't know it. I'll probably never see it, even if I tried to teach myself how to do remote viewing and everything else, even if I studied every scripture of every religion known to man. But what I should trust is that it's good and it's there, and that that answer comes beyond whether or not I choose it.
1: And I agree. Um, Trust that it's good. Trust that it's there. Every religion known to man, talks about a place among the gods after death. And it's always this wonderfully enlightening, wonderfully comfortable, peaceful place. The trouble is, more deaths have occurred in human history over religion than any other one factor. So, I don't understand A virtually, all right. So all five of the religions that I'm blessed in, all of them have a core, core significant point of be kind to others. That that's pretty much at the core of all religions. It's be kind to others. Unless they don't agree with your religion, and in which case you must kill them. There's no there's no logic in that. And if, if I kill you, as somebody that doesn't believe in my religion, then I'm helping you to go on to a much better place than here. If we're to believe our religious teachings that heaven is, or wherever you go, because you know not all religions believe in heaven as we know it. Some they just reference it, like in the Hindu religion, you ascend to the gods, but. Why would I want to help you ascend to somewhere just because you don't agree with my way of life and with my religious belief? Wouldn't I want you to just suffer in your own misery instead of sending you on to be with the gods? None of it makes sense to me. That's why I've never prescribed and never subscribed to any specific religion. Even my military dog tag said no religious preference. You know, I don't care if it was a heathen that overstood my body if I was dying on the battlefield and said, Our Heavenly Father, I ask that you come claim this young man, take him back into your world. I don't give a rat's ass if he was Protestant, Baptist, Catholic, Christian, Jewish. It didn't make a rat's ass to me. I just didn't want to die alone. And I think all humans are that way. The trouble is so many of them prescribe to a specific religion and don't think about the consequences of the way they live their life based on their own religion. There's too many people that are Sunday morning on a knee, but Saturday night they were out trying to get somebody else on their knees. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I I, I think all of that, you know, as as far as remote viewing, I think even if I were to say, yes, I've remote viewed heaven and I know what it's like, just like the best piece of evidence that you could put out there, you know, the, the Holy Grail, that walking full shadow, the full apparition, the, the, Whatever you want to consider to be the holy grail of paranormal, there's going to be the naysayers that are going to say, that's not the way it is. That's bullshit.
0: Oh, my God. I mean, just j- just from doing three seasons of The Witching Hour, I have shown people almost everything that they could possibly want. And I have brought on people who just wanted to be there to experience it. I've brought on straight-up non-believers. I've brought up people that have, you know, like Dance of Bigfoot and stuff like that. It, you know, like I, I've encountered everybody, but you always find that. And, you know, it's like with, with remote viewing, the, um, I forget who wh- I was. I was doing a little bit of research before this. I forget who I was reading about, but it was their testimony. It was like, you know, it's almost like sometimes you're, you're looking down a hallway and all you see are doors. And why does why does the hallway even have to have an end? Like what 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 door are you opening up? and what what makes you think that there's no other doors on the other side of that i think that's the the one thing that i have had to discover myself which is you're not always going to get an answer and that's not a bad thing what
1: matters is how far you go in it yeah it's it's not always a bad thing you may or may not get an answer um but at the same time, will you like that answer? Is that answer something that will change the way that you move forward and, for lack of better terms, screw up the destiny that was meant to be for you? Um, you know, in, in, in the Hindu religion, they believe that when you die, you ascend to the gods. If you have a strong enough desire that you present to the gods that... Um, I want to be alive to see my grandchildren born. Okay, you can stay earthbound, but you have to stay in in the shadows. You cannot interact with the living and you cannot alter anything of the living world. If you do, then you're immediately brought back and you don't get your wish and you are recycled. I think the same is true with what you were just talking. As long as if we know what, is on the other side of that door or what's at the other end of that hallway? Would we venture there? Would we not venture there? Are we supposed to find it? Or are we not supposed to find it? And I, I, I think all of it comes down to, there is a great creator. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm a member of the Masonic brotherhood. And one of the key things for that is you have to believe in a great creator. You have to believe in a creator. Uh, I can grow the most beautiful tree you've ever seen, but I can't create the seed that starts that tree. Somebody, something had to do that. And I think all of us have kind of a predestined life that we're going to live. And along the way, we have free will that lets us make choices. You know, I'm going to drive a Dodge instead of a Chevy. Um, I'm going to work this job field or a career choice instead of this one those are all trivial shits the ones that make the big difference are the, the decisions that we make on moral turpitude um, how we treat others um, those are the ones that I think lead us to the end more so than all the trivial BS that life brings our way And I think those are the ones that, you know, even though we have free will, we all understand, you know, like Jeffrey Dahmer knew it was wrong to eat his neighbors, but he did it anyway because he had free will. And, you know, the majority of us understand there is a penalty for that. And because we don't want to risk the reward at the end of this life, we're not willing to risk doing those things.
0: I think if venturing into the paranormal in, in the way that I did, because I've only been doing it for five years. I started 2017 as a full on skeptic trying to debunk everything because my default mindset was it's all a hoax. It's not real. This stuff isn't happening. Um, I, I, I went through, a pretty rough year in twenty eighteen. now, twenty eighteen was about a year in after, you know, uh, doing a bunch of stuff with my brother. and we were investigating almost all the time. We were filming all the time. And it got to a point where i I began to kind of think I was going kind of crazy because now it's like i'm I'm sitting at home or I'm somewhere else. I'm at the DMV. And I'm just experiencing stuff. I'm witnessing things. I, I don't want to get into too much detail, but I genuinely thought it's like, am I going crazy or something? what What I began to realize is that as soon as you open one door and accept that there's a certain level of reality that is real, you can't close it. You know, it's the only thing I could compare to is what is it like for a person who was deaf to suddenly hear? And their entire existence was silence. It's not that sound isn't real. It's just that they couldn't hear. So for me, it was like, well, it's not that I'm you know, losing my mind or anything. It's like, it's just that now I can see things that I otherwise could never see before, because I've opened myself up to it. And, and whether people believe that this is absolutely true, what we're talking about, whether people believe that this is absolutely false, that opinion used to matter to me. I wanted people to believe me. And now I really don't give a shit because once you see the world a completely different way, it is absolutely impossible to back up from that.
1: I've had countless people ask me, man, what I want to get into the paranormal, but I'm not really sure I want to get into it. And I said, and The easiest way for me to tell them is there's no peekaboo, open the door, close the door, open the door, close the door. Because once you open that door, something from that side is going to put their foot in front of that door and you can't close it again. It is open. There is no going back. So you make up your mind before you reach out and grab the door handle to the paranormal world. Do I want to open this damn thing? And take the chance of what's on that side. Or do I want to just continue living my life peaceful and calm? Because you can let in either more peaceful and calm or you can let in absolute chaos. How many people, if you were to take a a nondescript group of 100 people and you ask them the question, would you open your front door, step outside and yell, hey, anybody want to come in and talk? Come on in. And I bet you 98% of them wouldn't do it. That 2% of the people or two people out of 100 that would do it. Yeah, they're paranormal investigators that are going, what the hell have I got myself into?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Dennis, I I think that's a, a good place to kind of cap things off tonight. Um, you know, you, you, you go ahead and continue to do this stuff regularly. If people want to go ahead and, you know, keep up with your your journey as a paranormal investigator, all the other things that you do, how could they do so?
1: Um, just shoot me a friend request on Facebook or I've got a, I guess, fan page, follow page, whatever, but it's Dennis S block either way. There is a third account out there that has my middle initial in it. That's for like very close friends and family I won't accept a friendship request from somebody I don't know on that. Um, You can also follow my team, uh, Commonwealth Researchers of the Paranormal, Um, the location, which, Remso, you've been to. Is it kind of a good place, the cabin on 360? You won't sleep. You
0: won't sleep.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I still remember you guys first setting foot on that property. Holy shit, man. We've had more activity just during the tour than we've had at locations for weekends. Well,
0: what pissed me off is that we weren't even filming. All the shit happened during the day when we didn't even have cameras.
1: And that's par for the course. Yeah. I mean, look, if we were 100% prepared at all times, we would already have the answers. But here's the other question. How much of the time does Spirit know we're not actively investigating. And that's when they choose to, hey, watch this shit, man. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know as well as I do, and I've said it for, for years, if you're an asshole in life, you're an asshole in death. Just because you lost your body doesn't mean you're getting a new personality. You're still an asshole. I'm going to be that guy that after death, I'm going to my friend's house that I know is just, ADD. And every picture has to be perfect. And I'm going to turn every last one on a diamond. That's fucked up. That's so Uh, wrong. That's wrong on so many levels. It's
0: funny, but it's wrong.
1: (laughs) But I'm going to be that guy. They'll know I was there. See, um, I've had numerous friends pass away. And I've had numerous people reach out to me and ask about their loved ones. And one common thing that I found a lot, spirit will tell me to tell them to watch for coins. And there's usually a specific denomination that they want them to watch for. Um, I had a woman reach out to me. Her brother took his own life. Um, He was supposed to join me in an investigation two weeks later. But she reached out to me and asked if I could make contact with him. And I said, I will try it. She said, well, my brother, my other brother, obviously the still living one, and my daughter will come down and we'll join you at that event. I want to see if you can reach out to uh, Mark. I said, okay. I made contact. And I have EVPs of his voice. And all three family members just instantly worked (laughs) Oh, my God, that is him. Okay. But one of the things that he told me was to tell them to watch for quarters. I'm going to make sure that they get quarters, and that's how I'm going to interact with my loved ones. So it will be just random quarters, and there will be no explanation other than, you know I have come to visit. Um, I, I I don't know how to do this without name dropping or anything but I was watching a specific TV show and they were at a location in uh, Virginia City Nevada and out of nowhere you hear this coin what sounds like a coin hit the floor and I immediately started bawling I knew exactly what it meant I knew exactly who it was and they were able to They were, the the hosts on that show were very close friends with this individual and his wife. And they, with several devices, were able to make connection to this is who it was. I already knew. But see, Spirit is able to tell us things like that if we listen. I
0: know know exactly what situation you're, you're talking about. And what is... What is sad about that one is, were they tied to the location or were they always with them? And I don't think that's a question that we'll ever be able to have a firm answer on. But by them going back to a place in which those individuals had previously been and shared memories and shared laughs and shared real experiences together, I, I don't think the answer matters sometimes. What what matters is the presence is there and that the presence is recognized.
1: Yeah, and they were Mark was supposed to join me at, at an event two weeks after that incident. I had spoken to him two nights earlier on the phone for probably three hours. Um I mean, I, I don't know what I don't know what my friends can anticipate upon my passing. And I don't know what I'm going to be able to do upon my passing, but I can promise you this. I will come back and give as much peace as I possibly can to my friends and loved ones. And I think that's all we're supposed to do. I think there's a time frame of about seven days after our passing that we're granted free communication. Um, Of all the people in the paranormal that you talk to, each one that says, you know, I had a, a... mother or an aunt or a grandmother pass away, ask them if they've heard from them, and I will bet you it's 80% or more. Well, you know, I thought I, like they came to me in a dream, or I thought I saw them, and it's always within that first week. And then it changes. So...
0: That that would would make sense, because I I can already name three people who that happened within days of, of them having to bury loved ones or days within funerals or something like that. It's, it's always a short period of, you know, the only way I could describe it is noise and then it's silence because then they start looking for it. Then they start anticipating it and yeah. then silence.
1: Yeah. And I, I think spirit is able to, for that first week, roughly, I think they're given kind of carte blanche that you can communicate with loved ones that you're okay and let them know that you're still there. And I think that is, I think that's God's way of helping those that are left behind heal. They know their loved one is okay because they stopped back and let them know they stopped back and visited. They're not just abandoning us. They were able to come visit. Um, <laughs> I did a, a mediumship connection for a girl in Canada. She had a loved one that passed in a house fire. And I told her, I see, you know, I see him with a handful of coins. And then I see him flicking a dime. So you need to watch for dimes. And they're going to be in odd places where you know there isn't a reason for a dime to be there. But that's going to be his way to let you know that he has stopped by to visit. Oh, okay. I get a message about two weeks later from her, and I open up Messenger in the morning, and all I see is damn dimes. What? So I sent back, LOL, what do you mean? And she goes, well, I was brushing my teeth this morning, getting ready for my day, and the postman Keep in mind, she's in Canada, which apparently they have totally different time frames for postman because mine is never out that Canada is a very odd country. But she's like, you know, the postman rang the doorbell to drop a package off. And when I came back in and the bottom of my rinse glass was a dime. I just chuckled. I said, well, just let Matt know that you appreciate him checking in. But I think it's things like that that they can do. That doesn't have to be a direct connection to us. It doesn't have to be, you know, they came to me. It was something that I think they can do, kind of like the pennies from heaven thing. And put that dime into our little world, just so we know that they've looked in on us. And I think with the case of Mark, he chose quarters just because that was what he wanted to do. And he... He put them in places that loved ones would find them. And no, it was it was him. So I, I think once we get to that side, we'll have a hell of a lot more answers than we'll ever get from this side. I don't think we're allowed most of those answers. Um, I think there's kind of an unwritten book of rules that the dead have to abide by. And for the most part, it's don't tell the living shit about this site. Okay.
0: I'm good with that.
1: I'm good with that. You know, what would our suicide rate be like if we all thought or believed, as Chris Fleming's description of heaven was, what would the suicide rate be when things got just a little rocky and a little rough? He granted us free will. There's not a thing stopping any one of us from putting the the barrel of our weapon in our mouth and just go to see that beautiful green pasture. It's the fear of the unknown that keeps us from doing that.
0: Yeah, it's it's the acceptance of not getting the immediate answers you need, which I think is what has driven people um, through all existence. And it's why I continue to do what I do. I mean, I, I'm—I consider myself a pretty, you know, multi-dimensional person. I'm—I'm I'm in a lot of different things. I, I love my life. People have been like, you know, you don't do as much stuff about the paranormal anymore. And I'm like, well, that's just—I mean, that's just one aspect of my life. I wrote—I wrote a couple books. That doesn't mean I'm always writing. I'm always doing that. I ran a—you know—I ran a race years ago. That doesn't mean I'm always preparing for that. I think when we can accept what we have, what we can accept and accept what we can't control. And we move about our lives, irregardless of those things. That's, that, that's what's going to build a stronger connection between us and others. And what comes next, because what, what comes next is not something I can immediately determine, What I can focus on now and keep that in mind and try and make the best decisions possible. I, I talk about it on, on the show regularly, um, you know, the, the, the biggest thing I fear in life is hell. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't believe in hell. A lot of Christians don't believe in the devil, which, which really concerns me. And, you know, when, when I say it to people, it's like, why are you afraid of going to hell if you does something wrong? It's like, I, I, I'm not afraid of that immediately, but I do keep that in mind. Am I, am I going about my life abiding by what I believe is true? Because like what we were talking about earlier, once you, once you open that door, you have to accept that what you have witnessed to be real is real. And in my, in my personal view of the world, hell is real. So how can I go about life without thinking that? How, how can I not go about life without knowing that the devil is doing something and that the devil is real and that the greatest trick he played on man was convincing people that he doesn't exist? You can't unthink that. You can't not look for him when you think he's there. So... All these questions are great. Dennis, we'll have to have you on for some other topic in the future. It's great talking to you about this stuff. Uh, thank you so much, sir.
1: Hey, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for asking me to come on. I'll be more than happy to come sit down and chat with you anytime you like.
0: Sounds good. Folks, if you appreciate conversations like this, please do me a favor. We a five-star rating and review on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to us. And uh, I'll catch you later in the week as usual. Be safe, be good. Good night.